0: 1 John 4 and verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirit, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this, you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh of God is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has not come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world. Therefore, they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of the truth and the spirit of error beloved let us love one another for love is of god and everyone who is who loves is born of god and knows god he who does not love does not know god for god is love in this the love of god in this the love of god was manifested toward us that god has sent his whole, his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him in this is love not that we loved god but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins beloved if god so loved us we also ought to love one another no one has seen god at any time if we love one another god abides in us and his love has been perfected in us by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us because he has given us of his spirit
1: So reading through verse 14 through the end of the chapter. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us. cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. May the Lord bless the reading of his word.
2: Amen. If I were to ask uh, the saints here, uh, those of us that are familiar with the word of God, what is the love chapter of the Bible? I'm sure most of us would say 1 Corinthians 13, right? But... First John four really is the love chapter because it's love is mentioned many more times than in First in First Corinthians thirteen. I don't know if you noticed that, but it's mentioned some twenty times the, uh, the word and its derivatives. That is so. But we're going to look at First John 4 this morning under these uh, categories. We're going to take the whole chapter in just a few minutes here and try to get through and see what the uh, Spirit of God would have us learn from First John chapter 4. We've already been through First John 1, 2, 3, and next week in the will of the Lord, First John 5. But we're going to look at it in this uh, fashion: truth and error, love and life, salvation and judgment, fear. And torment. So let's get underway with the first one. Now, <clears throat> this is very important. We're going to look at it under these. Uh, this, the first category is truth and error. Now, I found this little thing on the internet that was quite helpful to me because it's very attractive. Because this is exactly what goes on when you hear that knock on the door or, the, or you talk in the office with those that, that uh, are, or have any form of religion. There's just a little bit of truth, but the overarching Manner is its falsehood. The overarching uh, overarching fact is it's false. And we're going to learn this morning from this very first verse that there is godly discernment needed. We could look at the, the very uh, word that we looked at in verse one. Uh, test the spirits, whether they are of God. Test all things and so forth. Let God be true. But every man the liar. So what the the Bible calls uh, uh, upon us to do is to not to believe every spirit. You say, what do you mean, believe spirits? I don't don't see spirits. No, you don't see spirits. But what you see is the embodied spirits that knock on your door, that sit in your lunchroom, that meet at your workplace. And they have all kinds of things to say about religion, all kinds of things to say about Jesus. They're embodied spirits, right? And the Bible warns us. That there's the spirit of Antichrist that's in the world today. So we need to search the Scriptures. And I want to say, when it comes to things that are true and false, there is a basis. There is a uh, a, uh, a standard by which we judge the truth. Oftentimes people will say, oh, you can't know that. And oh, that's just relative. Well, it is not relative. The one who says, I am the truth, has revealed in his word that there are true things. The uh, the Lord himself is truth. He stood before Pilate, the governor of his day, and he said every this is what Jesus said. Everyone who is of the truth. hears my voice. Now, a lot of people. Let me just say this. The majority of religious people do not and the majority of most people do not hear the voice of the Lord. I'll tell you why. No interest in the word of God. That's how God speaks to us today. So beware. Truth and error. There is the true and the false. So we have a two part test uh, in, in this. Uh, what is being said about Jesus and who is listening? Do you see that? Did you see that there in those verses? What is being said about Jesus and who is listening? Let's look at that. Verse two. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. Okay, now we know we know that it goes beyond just the mere verbal expression. Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Somebody could say that, and I want to tell you that when you oftentimes when a Mormon will knock at your door, they're from the Church of Jesus Christ. They are. They're from the Church of Jesus Christ. But they don't confess what the Scripture says, that Jesus is God manifest in the flesh, that he has come from God. You know, if we had time, we could go to Isaiah chapter 44. And there you will see a most astounding verse. Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and thus saith his Holy One, the Lord, the Redeemer. Now, is there two Jehovah's? That's the Lord, the Lord twice in a row. But you know what he says? I am the first and the last. And if you turn to Revelation chapter one, guess who says I am the first and the last? Jesus, Jehovah of the Old Testament, is Jesus of the new. So every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is not come in the flesh is not of God. Doesn't care how sincere they are. I, I couldn't believe it the other day. We had two young ladies come to the door from the Latter-day Saints. And they asked if they could pray with me. If we could have a word of prayer. I said, Well, who are you going to pray to? Who are you going to pray to? Are you, going to, pray to? Are you going to pray to Jesus? Well, who is Jesus? And and I just took the, the step to say, Well, is he the spirit brother of Lucifer? I couldn't believe it. They agreed. I thought it was something they'd try to hide. Do you see that this large organization, what's being said about Jesus, Hinduism, Mormonism, Jehovah Witness, Islam, we can go on and on with the religions of the world. What do they say about Jesus? Discernment. Godly discernment is needed. Christian authors and preachers, the list could go on and on. But one of the most popular churches in our United States of America out in Texas has one that, that denies the things of the scriptures. A very popular writer, Joyce Meyer, you wouldn't believe you go on the Internet and you see what they say about Jesus. Well, he became sin. He ceased to be the son of God. This is what Christian authors are saying, Da Vinci Code and so on. So we need godly discernment. Every spirit that confesses the thought that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. In agreement, in lip would show in our life. So these are some things. There's a two part test. What is being said and who is listening? What is who is listening? It says they are of the world. You have churches full of people that are of the world that have never been born again. Do you know? I know you know this. It's possible to be a member of the of a local church and not be a member of the family of God. It is possible. You could be one of a hundred. You could be one of a thousand, ten thousand in a church and be a member of that church and not belong to the family of God. Romans uh, Ephesians chapter one talks about members in the household of God. I tell you that there's many that are in that category. And I want to say when it comes to Jesus, it's been well said that some people know Christ historically as a great figure of history and some Know Christ hysterically. I think this is one of the broadest categories in in religion and Christian circles today. Jesus, Jesus, a a lot of dancing around and saying the name, but they don't know the person of Jesus. They don't confess him to be the Son of God, but they know him hysterically, and they can dance around and do a you know clappy clappy and all this, but they don't know him. Uh, they know him hysterically. Some people know Christ humanly. I would say that's a great portion of our uh, uh, church world today. They know him as a good example to follow. Oh, yes, I do my best. Oh, sometimes a little word comes out. And I, oh, I, I can't, oh, I'm sorry. I apologize. Oh, they know him humanly because they've trying to follow. Oh, they're doing their dead level best. Oh, I blew it today. I got to follow him better tomorrow. That's not how the scripture presents him. And then some know Christ heavenly as their resurrected Savior and Lord. So there's. Oh, how did I get to that? Sorry. Love and life is the next section. Now, I don't know how many of you have been uh <clears throat> I took this picture because we were down in the in Miami in the uh the section called Wynwood. This is uh, an area uh quite popular. It's a what a a a, a tourist attraction, but it uh It's essentially it's professional graffiti. Now, uh, uh, everywhere you look, professional graffiti. But on the sidewalk, it's loaded with these types of sayings. Everywhere I looked, I kept coming across this one. And I don't know what Michelle meant about this, but I know how it's generally taken that, oh, in the end, love will conquer all. You know, that will be what saves everybody. In other words, you live as you want, and in the end, love will save us all. Well, we know that that's not true, and I don't know where the Scripture came from, but I just took a picture of it because it was there. Love and life. There's three L's in the Gospel in, in 1 John. Uh, love, life, and light. We're not going to talk about light because that's not in our uh, section right here, but it's in, it's in other sections of the Word of God. Now, what we learn here is because God is love, because God is life, His life is revealed in the life of a believer. Now, 1 John 4, 7, and 8 is far more than just a pretty song that we sing with the children. I want you to think about this for just a minute. Love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God. He that does not love does not know God. Now, that's, that's shocking because I have heard, perhaps you have too, some professing Christians say, well, I can't love that person. I don't love that person. In fact, for years, I've heard a a, a kind of a saying that goes around in Christian circles. You know, it says something like this, that, um, yeah, the scripture commands us to love everyone, but you don't have to like them. You judge for yourself from the word of God. He that does not love does not know God because God is love. The Bible says this, God demonstrated his love toward us in that while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. If I fully understand, we're going to get to that, if I fully understand or or on my way to fully understanding that and appreciate the love of God to me, I can certainly love that diverse brother or sister. The one that I can't stand, the mannerisms. They just tickle me off, you know, the way they speak and the way they walk. I can't stand it when they're in the room. I want to leave. What do you think you're going to do in heaven when they're there, you know? Have your own room? What is it like? Room service? No. He that does not love does not know God. Listen, we human beings are good at avoiding others. You know, I didn't. You know, I don't even want to shake that person's hand. I wouldn't touch them with a 10-foot pole. And they're a brother or sister in Christ. We need to beware that what the Scripture says about love and life. Now, I can't. let me see what I did here. Oh, let me go back. Let me just say something about life before we go on to the next one. Life. I have... Physical life, true. So do you. You're sitting here, uh, uh, you're breathing, right? But the Bible says, watch this, in this was manifested the love of God, verse 9, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. That tells me that before I came to know the love of God and the person of Jesus Christ, my Lord, I was dead. I was disconnected from God. I might have sat in a church. I might have read my Bible. I might have tithed, but I was spiritually dead, disconnected from God. No life at all. But praise the Lord God. The Bible says what he manifested, he evidenced, he declared the love toward us. He sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live Through him, because we were dead, God sent his son and son. And next verse says, because we were guilty, God sent his son to be the propitiation. Now, I know that's a big word, big word. We've already heard it in chapter two, propitiation. Propitiation. God's wrath had to be satisfied. I was guilty. Have you ever thought about it that way? That when I'm born into this world, no matter how religious I think I am or how many religious things I think I do, I'm an enemy of God. I am guilty before the holy God. I am. But bless God, He saw me in my need. He saw me ruined by the fall, yet loved me notwithstanding all. He saved me from my lost estate, his loving kindness. Oh, how great. What love that God would show me. Why should he love me? I never can tell. Why should he suffer to save me from hell? Nothing but infinite grace from above could have conceived such a story of love. Why would he love me? You know, there's love stories in this world. They don't compare to the love of God toward a guilty, hell-deserving sinner. One who shook his fist in God's face, but he sent his son. To be the propitiation, the satisfaction for me, the wrath that was due me. Let's go to the next one. Salvation and judgment. We're just going to look at it briefly under these headings. A Savior required. Why is there a Savior required? Salvation. Why? Because verse 17 reveals to us there's a day of judgment. Listen to what the Scripture says. I know we don't, we, you know, we're good at squelching, at suppressing the truth of God. Listen to what the Scripture says. God has appointed a day in which He will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom He hath ordained. There is a day of judgment coming. We don't like to think about that, but there is a Savior required because that day of judgment is coming. Then there's a Savior revealed in verse number 14. We have seen and do testify that the father sent the son to be the savior of the world. What a wonderful, wonderful truth to look back and to see when the fullness of time was come that this God revealed his blessed son, the Lord Jesus. He sent him into the world. You know, sometimes we get a little bit of tunnel vision, don't we? We get a little short sighted and we think our world is all there is. But we thank our God that there's a realm outside of our world where God dwells. The eternal God is your refuge, the scripture would go on to say that God is eternal. He is outside our realm, but he thought was pleased when the fullness of time was come to invade as it were our little planet and reveal his blessed son to us while we had a need. And then there's a savior received and notice it says in verse 15, whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the son of God, it doesn't necessarily say profess. There is something quite shocking here. If we had time, we could go to Matthew chapter 7. It's confess. Confess is agree. That I agree in my heart. I've agreed in the sight of God that Jesus is the Son of God. I want to tell you that according to the Lord's own words, there is going to be, let's just say many. Leave it what the Lord says. Many people who stand before the Lord on that judgment day and they will profess that they knew Him. Because look what I did. I did many wonderful works. I sat in church. I gave money. Matthew chapter 7. Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in Your name? And watch with this. I will profess to them, depart from me. I never knew you. You know what that tells me? It's possible to have a profession, a whole lifetime. That's what they had. A whole lifetime of a profession. Their profession, those that stand before the Lord like that, last a whole life, lifetime. But his profession is forever. He professes to them, I never knew you. Now, what that causes for you and me is to examine our hearts in the light of the Word of God and the Spirit of God. Do I know the Savior? Do I know the Savior? I am not skilled, the writer says, to understand what God has willed, what God has planned. I only know at His right hand is one who is my Savior. And I take Him at His word indeed. Christ died for sinners, this I read. And in my heart I find the need of Him to be my Savior. Do you know the Savior this morning? That's what the Scripture is presenting to us. The Savior required, revealed, and received. What a blessed thing it is to know him. And lastly, I want to look at it this way. No fear in love. That's what the scripture says here. These last few verses. Why? Why can I stand here and tell you that I will not come into judgment? Now, I want to tell you that I've met you probably have to a lot of people that face confidently the future. And they say, oh, I know that all is well with me because I know it in my heart. But they have never experienced the love of God. They haven't yet understood from the word of God that love, that unbounded love that saved them. But they have some kind of rationalization in their heart and in their mind. Oh, you know, you, this is a, isn't this a, a. A cliche in our world or even a, 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 a clothing design, no fear, no fear, that's me. The Bible defines it very clearly. We only can say that if we know the person of the Lord. Now, those are little quotes there, I found no fear when you're having fun. What hogwash? We can be so deluded that we, that's what we think it's all about. That, that oh, I have no fear. Look at all God has given me and I'm having fun. And oh, that's what life is about. Me, me, me. The safest course, whatever that says, is not to disregard your conscience. It's foolishness. Conscience can be seared. But listen to this. Have you ever thought of this? It's about ending here. I can look and you can look to, if you know the Savior, that one judgment day is coming when God has appointed a day in which he will judge the rights, uh, judge the world by that man whom he hath ordained. I can look to that day and I could say, what, according to this scripture here, as he is, so are we in this world. But my case is not coming up. It's almost as if I'm at an earthly court and I'm watching. I'm watching all of these guilty parties come and to be sentenced by the judge. And I say, I'm not included in that. My case is not coming up because I don't have a case. Well, I want to tell you that's what it's like. Have you ever wondered where you're going to be at the great white throne? Have you ever thought about that? John says, I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God and the books were opened. Now, where are you going to be if you know the Savior? The Bible really doesn't expressly say it, but it does say when I depart to be with Christ, I'm going to be forever with the Lord. And I I think if there's a little bit of a a truth that could be, As we're standing afar off and we're watching all of these individuals, maybe some of them that we've known, that we've tried to share the gospel with, and they're going to be sentenced. Depart. I never knew you forever and ever in the lake of fire, the Bible says, whosoever whose name was not found in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. But you know what? As a believer, my case is not coming up (laughs) Because the Savior has satisfied God's judgment. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look at Christ and pardon me. It's a wonderful thing to be able to look like John saw the great white throne. All these dead, millions and millions that are standing before some of them sat in churches. Some of them sat in churches. What a sad and solemn thing to be able to... I I took part in the choir. I took part in the ushering. I took part in everything. But I didn't know the Savior. My name is not in the book of life. How sad. How sad indeed. But then, lastly, he qualifies love. Because if I have that no fear attitude, I should know that love. Love that love should be grounded and settled in my heart you see we love because he first loved us and if a man say i love god and hates his brother he's a liar this is what third time or so john uses this strong language <coughs> I want to tell you again that there are many, according to God's word, that sit in churches week after week after week and don't know the Savior, don't know the love of God, but profess they do. Scripture calls them a liar. It's not like we're going to get to heaven and find out, oh, I didn't know that you. We know it now. If you pay attention to the word of God, if a man say I love God and hate his brother, he is a liar. He that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen. How can he love God whom he hath not seen? And so that ends it for us. First, John, chapter four and these headings. We thank the Lord for the truth, knowing that there is error out there. We thank the Lord for the truth. It should shake us to the very core because. When we realize and get a grip on the fact that not every... Even the world says, don't believe everything you hear. And do I have a basis to examine what I hear is truth? I do. And it's not Google. It's the Word of God. The Word of God. I have a standard by which to judge the truth. There, there are out there. And I need discernment. You need discernment to know... What is truth? Oftentimes people say, Well, who do you believe? There's so many religions out there. How do, you, how do you know what to believe? I think it was Harry Ironside that said there's only two religions in the world those that are doing, doing, and doing, and those that know it's done. And that's those who know the Savior. It's done. Because we've received Christ as our Savior. I cannot save myself. Every religion in the world is on the self-saving program. does no matter what brand of religion it is. But only biblical Christianity preaches and proclaims and presents a Savior. Jesus Christ the Lord. So there's love. There's truth and there's error. There's love and life. There's salvation and judgment. And there's fear and torment. I trust there's none here. That when you contemplate that judgment day, you're tormented in your soul because the love of God has not gripped your heart. Don't leave here today if that's your case. Mean business with the Lord. Understand that you're a sinner that needs the Savior and turn in faith to Him. Our Father, we thank You for this passage of Scripture. It challenges our hearts. And we thank You for what the Spirit of God has presented to us this morning from your holy word. and We pray that it will land on good ground in all of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.